Hey guys. Bonjour. Bonjour. Je m'appelle <laughs> Katie Wiggins, and you're listening to Scary Stories from Camp Roanoke. That's my Morgan Driscoll. Morgan Driscoll, yes, as she said. Uh, we're doing a night recording today, which we don't usually do. Oh, also, this is a podcast where we tell true scary stories, often um, trimmed with humor. I, t- I thought of the way that we incorporate humor is the way that fat is incorporated in a marbled steak. So, Ooh, off- like a really good pork belly. Yes, just like like a swirl of a pork belly in in ramen. We incorporate humor Ooh. and fear. And also, it's about, it's Delicious almost 10 p.m. here in New York, and my systems are shutting down. So this is warm milk, Katie, <laughs> not coffee, Katie. And we're going to find well, out time I what told, that means. Last time I told a story, it was warm milk, Katie. You were having your, like, Native American turmeric warm, like, milk situation. It was not like, Native American. It was, I thought you said it was. It was Indian. Is it like Indian Indian? Indian oh, okay. as in, as in oh. <laughs> India. <laughs> <laughs> the Native Americans are not that big on turmeric and cardamom, as far as I am aware. But that's very funny. I thought everyone was into turmeric. Yeah, well, that's the trendy spice. Yeah, right well, now. Is, or so my mom tells me. But who knows if she's up to date on the spices? <laughs> and I think Morgan's got a little bit of a buzz on. So this. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Alternative. She just says sorry. <laughs> I'm not that buzzed. It's fine. Yeah, Morgan can handle her. She can. She's got it, guys. Yeah, I moved into a new house near a Korea town. Yes. So I've had lots of sake and soju as of recently. Morgan is no longer in Dallas. I mean, no, she's no longer in Lubbock. Now she is in Mm -hmm. Dallas. She lives in Dallas. Uh, She just started a new job, which she really enjoys. And she graduated college and, and she's getting all settled in with her boyfriend. Yeah. I'm a mathematician. Mm-hmm. Everyone at work only has great things to say about me. Apparently, my internship reputation followed me, and it's really good. What's so hilarious I I is that I remember, I remember when you would call me on your breaks as an intern, and as far as I can tell, a lot wasn't happening. But I'm yeah. really glad if that they, they seem to have a positive impression <laughs> from the way that you managed to fill the hours. Well... <laughs> A lot didn't happen, but I did all the work they gave me, and I found extra work. There was, I'm just, there was just still a lot more time available. Honestly, I think the workday should end at, like, two or three. Because people's peak productivity is at, like, 10, 11 a.m. It's like, once you're in Mm -hmm. and you're out, it's like, what the fuck are we doing after 2 p.m.? I don't know. I've never even, like, I've been in an office building, like, three times in my life. I have no idea how all that works. I think it's adorable, frankly. When we were on the phone, when I was walking back into my office building after lunch, the receptionist man stopped me because he did not think I worked in the building, and he questioned me about it. (laughs) And I was bothered, but then I remembered that my permanent purse is a tiny backpack, so I let it slide. Like, okay, I am a human. Who the hell would you be walking into an insurance place with no place to go? Like, who? Also, the day before, I stood in front of him for 10 minutes waiting for a security (laughs) badge. I remember, he remembers it vividly. I know he does because there's me and another man waiting for a badge from my office. And at the receptionist desk, they had this touchscreen big computer screen. 
you know, one of those like touch here and learn these things and figure this out. Mm-hmm. And it said touch here. So the guy I was with touched it. And the receptionist man who questioned me said, don't go snooping around there. <laughs> also, you're almost six feet tall and extremely redheaded. How the fuck does it, no one recognize you? Also, um, yeah. I just got off yeah. the phone with my mom and she said she listened to our most recent episode and she said, I'm worried about how much you're scaring Morgan. <laughs> it was- <laughs> I think that that episode scared me more than like the episode. Usually I'm along for the spooks and I'm loving it. But that was like the first time I was like, besides the monk one that I was like, Oh God. <laughs> Somehow I failed to put you on your toes. With, no, you do with, with me with, all the time. With but... the tail of the, the phantom foot on the buck funeral pie. <laughs> Somehow that didn't get your heart rate going. <laughs> anyway, I just thought it was really funny that my mom seemed to be very worried that. about you. <laughs> Someone should be. Guess what? I bring the fear, Ma. I don't stop for yeah. nobody. You're hardcore. Mm-hmm. In bed by 10, bringing fear all other hours. <laughs> yep. All right. Yep. Bring, bring me the fear. Okay. okay. You ready for the fear? My eyes are half open. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, I decided to give Portal to the Unknown one more chance. (laughs) No, she didn't. And it's probably best that I'm buzzed because because it's so ridiculous that I felt like it needed to be talked about. Why? Okay. And this... The rest of them seem to be Sasquatch and werewolf themed. So if that's your <laughs> cup of tea, check out Portal to the Unknown. But I've reached the end of Portal to the Unknown for me. I've realized that it's all Canadian. Okay. Why? So, why? Why do we keep running know. up against like, Canada? Rescue mediums, very Canadian. Yeah. Portal to the Unknown, apparently inexplicably Canadian. Maine is the Canada of the U.S., so you're not missing out. So I've been told not to offend any Canadians. Possibly, obviously, we have no Canadian listeners. Otherwise, we would have heard. Actually, no. Yes, we do. Somebody commented recently. I think they were from Quebec or something. And I was like, oh, (gasps) funny. Well, this is the episode for them. Shout out to you, Uh, Quebec listener, Québécois. Je voudrais. Um. It's late, guys. I can't remember. I, I can't reconnaître le Isn't it weird that mot. the only... Sorry. <laughs> well, the only educational pursuit that I miss being done with school is taking French classes. Oh. It's the only thing I miss. Well, I'm around French people French. fucking constantly. Guess what? Really? They're just like normal moms, just skinnier. <sighs> I love it. Mm. Okay. <laughs> it's chill. Speaking... Of Canada. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Shawville, Quebec. Oh, thank God. Shawville. Yeah. Shawville. It's a couple miles from a well-known town, but I didn't feel like it was necessary to note it because Shawville, we're putting it on the map today. <laughs> Shawville, Quebec. Let's do it. Have some self-respect, <laughs> Shawville. You're not near <laughs> a well-known town. You are Shawville. You are the well-known town. <laughs> Well, don't go crazy. So, no. 
Although I don't know well-known towns in Canada. Maybe for regular Canadians, that's a well-known town. I don't know. We'll never know. We'll never know. I'm never going to ask. So, the year is 1889. Mm. We're in the Dag family house. Dag? D-A-G-G, Dag. Dag. It is a farmer family. There's George Dag, the husband. Susan, the wife. They have two kids, Mary Susan and Johnny. Mm-hmm. And then they adopted an 11-year-old Wait, girl. wait, three kids or two kids? Mary Susan is two one? Kids. Mary Susan is one kid. <laughs> Obviously. I'm sorry. Last night I was watching <laughs> I Ellen. I guess I should have been that Last clear. night I was watching the Ellen show. I'm so sorry, guys, but I have to tell you. I was watching the Ellen show and she had gotten into a situation, which you should all watch. It's on Hulu. And honestly, it's the funniest, like, in-studio recorded, like, live audience sitcom I've ever fucking seen. It's honestly really? so underrated. It's like Seinfeld, but they're not Jewish. It is fantastic. So... Ellen has gotten herself mixed up in a lie that she has uh, four kids and the, with this guy that she really wants to date, but of course she doesn't actually because, wow, she was so gay and, wow, her pantsuits really said that. I don't know why anyone was surprised. <laughs> but uh, And then he was like, well, what are your kids' names? And she was like, um, Greg and Jan oh, no, Marcia. and Marcia, Cindy, Bobby. And he was like, those are five. Oh, and she was like, oh, uh, Greg, Jan, Marsha, Cindy Bobby. Cindy Bobby is one. <laughs> and I laughed my fucking ass off. <laughs> Cindy Bobby is one. I'm going to name my firstborn that. Cindy Bobby. Regardless of gender. <laughs> Even if I'm only having four <laughs> children, I will include at least five of the Brady Bunch. <laughs> Fuck off Peter, apparently. I think that's the other one. Well, there's like six of them, aren't there? Who cares? They're too many. Can you imagine having six children? Morgan, we've already I've already gone on this tangent. I had to include about the Ellen show. We have to get you're to right, the dags. Right. In with the okay. dags. I didn't even finish their whole family. <laughs> so, George Susan, Mary Susan, one girl, Johnny. They adopted a girl, Dinah McLean. She's like eleven. Okay. And they have a farmhand, Dean, who I wasn't sure if they adopted him or he lives there. It made it seem like he lives there. I don't really know how late 1800 farmhand situations go. Mm -hmm. He's with them. His name's Dean. It's September, and Dean is playing with toys, and he finds a $5 bill under the kitchen table. Wow, that's real money in the 1890s. Yeah. And he's such a good guy that he decides to give it to the father of the family. Okay, this is literally a Brady Bunch episode, though. This is literally, there's a Brady Bunch episode where they find a wallet filled with a ton of cash, and they're like, what are we going to do with it? (laughs) Okay, okay, continue. Let's see if we can continue to find the parallels. (laughs) I love it. So, he gives it to George. (laughs) And George says, this is the $5 that I gave to my wife, Susan, to put in the dresser to set aside. So he goes in her dresser, looks around, which is rude. Don't look around her shit. And finds out that the $5 bill is gone. So this is the same $5 bill. And that a $2 bill is also missing. Mm-hmm. So he takes an executive 
order, and he decides to search Dean's room to find the two dollars. He takes bill. an executive order, an order from the he's president like, of the United States. Yes, he's the president of his house. Okay. <laughs> he searches the room, finds the two dollar bill. So now he's really suspicious of Dean. Even though Dean brought him the money in the first place, doesn't make much sense why he would rat himself out. He's now blaming Dean for the money. Okay. Around the same time that day, the wife was cleaning a cupboard and there was feces in the cupboard. (sighs) Cindy Bobby. So they suspect Dean because they assume that the adults didn't do it and their children would never. So it has to be the guy who hid $2 in his room. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they confront him. He denies it, of course, because he didn't do it. (laughs) I didn't steal $2 and crap on the floor, sir. So the father of the family decides to take him to court. Oh, God. (laughs) So it's George and Dean in front of the judge later that day. Later that day, they act quick. Look at the Canadian judicial system working. Justice will be served. Here we go. Everybody's bringing their disputes to to court. Hell yeah. Mm. So Susan is cleaning while they're at court, and she finds more feces in places where she knows that hours ago, when they were all there, there was no feces. So, it is obvious to her that Dean was not the one who pooed. If the <laughs> This is almost a little too absurd for me to even glibly comment on. Yeah. Which is a hard Just thing wait. to do. <laughs> this becomes so irrelevant to the story. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite thing ever. It was a raccoon. Later that day. <laughs> They take it to court. <laughs> Canadian justice will be served. They took it to court. I saw a raccoon on the side of the road hanging out in broad daylight the other day. I thought they only were out in nighttime. No, raccoons, get, they get out. Ian once had to have an altercation with a raccoon because they were fighting for a parking spot. On foot. <laughs> he, knew, he, had, he was they wondering if he had foot? to test himself. As a man, he was walking towards his car. There was a raccoon in between him and his car. And it wasn't moving. And the raccoon's walking towards him. He's like, what the hell am I going to do? Am I going to have to prove myself right now? I can't remember what happened. I don't think he did. (laughs) But I think he got what he wanted. Either the raccoon or Ian. I don't know. (laughs) Everybody. (laughs) Anyway. Okay. So poop, so. it doesn't matter. <laughs> poop, everybody does it. Dean didn't do it. <laughs> Except for Dean. <laughs> I historically never poo. So he didn't poo. It, it kind of just drops off after that on the whole judge case and the money and the poo. Mm-hmm. So we know that weird things have been happening, at least poo related in this <laughs> And money related. And money related because he might have taken it, but it, if he would have offered up the five, I don't think he would have taken other money. Mm-hmm. That's too risky. 
So furniture oh, starts moving in the house by itself. Chairs start like shaking, table shake. Dina, the adopted daughter, was assaulted in the night by a mysterious unseen entity. She was screaming, saying that her hair was being yanked and pulled. Huh. And nobody was there. Oh, this reminds me of the um Bell Witch in Tennessee. Continue. Her bed, it seems like it might be centered around Dina. It's always centered around a younger girl. Adolescent like. woman. Yeah. Apparently Which, it creates poltergeist activity. I've never really understood. I'll get into that later. Ooh. There's a bullshit theory that might be half accurate. I don't know. We'll talk about okay. it. Okay. But her bed would shake and bounce and super poltergeisty, like in the movies, just go crazy okay. in the middle of the night mm-hmm. when it was just her. Her covers would be pulled down, not just down, like if you spring out of bed and you pull your covers down to the bottom, it would be down like the side, mm-hmm. kind of weird, and just go off the bed and it happened all the time. Mm-hmm. And she said that some nights she would see a scary creature that looked fully human except for the face was a cow face. Mm-hmm. It had a cow head. Which doesn't settle well with me. It does not. It's, uh, number one, I'm looking out a window, dark window right now, and I'm just imagining that cow person. That's very upsetting. I don't really like even a normal cow on a good day. So I'm not even sure I like a a person on a good day. (laughs) So I don't know if them combined is going to do anything particularly good for me. Also reminds me of like the animal heads of uh, Egyptian deities. Interesting stuff. Mm. I'm here for it. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> We're here for it. Dina's here for it. She said Unfortunately, she Dina was there for it. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't elect to be. But yeah, she was there. <laughs> she was there. She would hear voices that no one else heard. And um, it started to be a popular thing in the community that all this shit was happening in their house. A lot of movement of furniture. Dina was experiencing stuff. Mm. So people would visit. In the neighborhood, because, you know, close-knit Gosh, Canadian that, ha- that happened in the past when a place was haunted. People would, like, yeah. it visit was and, like, stay the night. <laughs> yeah, it was the thing. So they had dozens of people in the community uh-huh. come, and they verified that there was spooky shit going on. Mm-hmm. Everyone that went there said stuff happened. So... They made it very clear, the people, the historians who talked about it, that they weren't making money off of this. They were very well-respected folk in the community, and they were just having people come and make sure they weren't crazy and seeing this for themselves. They're farmers in the 1890s. How much, like, actual social mobility is possible? Like, True. People must have, like, not going to be a goddamn Carnegie or yeah. the rest. <laughs> or the rest. You know. The robber barons. Need I say more? (laughs) Railroads. I'll leave it at that. (laughs) So many. (laughs) I'll leave it at that. Need I say more? (laughs) And the rest. Just like final statements (laughs) followed by a thumbs. Need I say more? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But I won't say more than this. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Okay. <laughs> Enter stage left, 
my favorite name in the world, Percy Woodcock. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he is firstly mentioned as an artist, mm. then later introduced as a paper, like a journalist. He works for the paper. Mm. So doesn't really do much artistry, does a lot of journalism. <laughs> so he's a journalist. All right. I thought maybe he was going to draw something. I thought he was going to draw the spirit, kind of let us see what was going on. No. He was using his words. He will paint with words of exclusively facts. (laughs) So he meets with the family. He starts writing their story. It makes it to the Montreal paper, which is a huge deal. It's the main paper. Whoa. I know. Calm down, everyone. The Montreal. Once you make the Montreal... You're toboggan you're you're set <laughs> the montreal maple the montreal maple oh i like that the maple leaf ah it's a paper <laughs> I, I heard it. from canadians that they pronounce it montreal if they're not like a a french canadian in which it would be montreal, which is pretentious we can all agree but i like it mm-hmm <laughs> So, he publishes their story, it goes big, Mm -hmm. he keeps publishing, and it keeps going big. So now a lot of people know about their story. Huh, okay. But he's a skeptic at the same time. Well, he's a journalist, he's (laughs) hard-boiled. He's not easily fooled. (laughs) Oh, Percy Woodcock. Percy knows. Percy's so smart. So he goes to the shed. William Randolph Hearst, publishing... Turn of the century. Sorry, just shooting names out. It's okay. Here we go. Keep going. Facts. Late night facts. <laughs> Hard hitting news. That's what you're here for. I was just thinking about yellow journalism in the turn of the century, and I was like, who was it that spearheaded that? William Randolph Hearst. But I don't know if that's right, but I think it is. I'll say it's right. Okay, cool. Thanks, Morgan. Verifying. Also, the name of the movie, uh, the last episode that I was trying to find, the alien movie that's somewhere in between The Omen and the, like, oh, in, oh, oh. it's Signs. The mo- the name of the movie is Signs. Signs? Oh, I would have never, yes. ever known. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Good. Sorry. Please. Please. Everyone look up Signs, and I will continue. So, one day Dina said, Percy, you're a skeptic. I know you are. That's okay. Come to the shed with me. I was just talking with the ghost. Mm. Come to the shed with me, Percy Woodcock. I'll put a little spirit in you. I stole some Bacardi from my parents's uh, wooden trunk at the end of their bed. Let's see what's up. (laughs) Let's see what's up, Percy Woodcock. (laughs) It's my seduction technique. Works every time. (laughs) So she says, are you there, mister? And Percy's like, no, he's fucking not. And then a guttural voice responds and says, I was watching for you, little Dinah. Oh, oh. Yeah. And there's a lot of text after this. And I don't know how much of it is creative liberties taken from Percy and or the show I was watching, but I feel like they're going, they're going from a vibe. So I'm going to say what they said. And I feel like what was really said might've been very condensed. So 
I am your conscience, third-rate poet, and I will break your neck, cardboard opportunist. I am your conscience, the third-rate poet, I will break your cardboard neck, or whatever. That's so metal. It is. It continues. It's so emo, too. I put so many ending quotations because I was sure no, it was No, you know what it is? Prog rock. This is Rush. <laughs> These are Rush lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> Rush. I can hear it in the back of someone's van. <laughs> Get the fuck out Percy of that van. Woodcock. <laughs> I am your conscience. Oh, that was so good. Thank you. <laughs> okay. It's beautiful. The poetry, the rush lyrics continue. <laughs> Percy Woodcock, you came to mess with the devil. Do you really think you can make your fortune on the devil's back? So I feel like if this is text taken from the situation, Percy exaggerated. Or maybe it said that much. I have, I've, okay, I've. I'm entertained. Either way. I have never heard a ghost speak ever in my life, and I've seen a hundred million ghost shows, and I have never, ever seen anyone, even if they've heard voices, it has never, it has never been a sentence. It's either been a name, or a grunt, or a growl, or a whine. It's never Mm -hmm. like, chapter one, this is what I have to say about you, 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 and you. It's like, it's not, Yeah. I I just find that difficult to believe. The way it was reenacted was very, like, Sweeney Todd, like, like Sherlock and Holmes, like, old Victorian spooky, like, you really think. You could, it was too much. These are my friends. Ugh, I love Sweeney Todd too much. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway, I think Percy might have taken some creative liberties with what he did. Morgan, he's a journalist. You're crazy. He's honest. So, apparently, the ghost continued to say that he would speak again at dusk. So everyone said, okay, we will meet you at dusk. Mm-hmm. The so a hour. large group of the family and some listeners and Percy waited at dusk to hear from the voice Mm -hmm. and it arrived it made its presence known said some more poetry i'm sure he's a lovely man and instead of identifying himself as the devil which he previously did this time he said well i'm i'm a guy that died like 20 years ago and i've been looking after your kids and i will get the kids is what he said. Presents? For Christmas? What do you mean you'll <gasps> get the kids? He said he'll get the kids. Oh no. <laughs> and this time they paraphrased. They didn't even have the voice actor do this spooky poetry rush mumbo jumbo. Poetry rush. Fuck yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. Oh no. So Percy writes about what he heard and he has the whole group sign off. And say that they heard exactly what he wrote down. Mm -hmm. So there's a large group of people that agreed to what he said happened. And it's validity. Wow, really? Yeah. And I think that you can find it by record because the historians were talking about it. 
So I think there was a record of it. People signed off on that. Oh, huh. Interesting. Although group group think is a powerful thing, but it's hard to say like you guys all heard that long that long paragraph rush song, right? (laughs) You guys heard the sick tunes, didn't you? So God, you such a genius. That was amazing, guys. (laughs) Great jam set. So later that day. Dinah comes home from school. She runs home. She's freaking out. She said that she saw an angel on her way home from school. It was a male angel that told her it was her guardian angel and not to worry. And it was looking after her. And then it vanished. And then all manifestations suddenly stopped. And, th- and then they made a film about it. Many years later. What's the movie? Many years later. They didn't say! <laughs> they didn't even tell All right, me. everybody. Rack your brains for the horror movies you've seen. Does this ring a bell? Canada. Mm-hmm. Angels. Old-timey Canadian farmers. Farms. Rush. Poop in cabinets. <laughs> Rush. The reenactments of the poop was ridiculous. Getty Lee, are you f- thinking about the album's Hemisphere? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Sometimes my Rush knowledge comes in handy. I, I, I knew it. it would one day. <laughs> today was that day. And it was just today. Good. So that was the Dag family poltergeist The Dag experience. family poltergeist. Yeah, and I have another short experience of another family's poltergeist, but I think it was really interesting that I just stopped whatever was happening. Because aside from the ridiculous poo and the money, furniture and stuff was moving. Dina was experiencing some things. You know, I never even really thought that was possible. So you hear a lot of stories like this where it's like you got a 13-year-old in the house, 12-year-old girl. Pretty much the moment she starts menstruating, shit starts going wild. like kinetically shit's flying across the room, all this stuff, poltergeist activity. Mm -hmm. And it's like it always seemed so insanely far-fetched until I watched The Most Haunted uh, Black Monk of Pontefract. Er, which is not the Enfield poltergeist, that's another thing, but it's at 30 East Drive. And that was in the 70s, the same kind of story. It was like famous because there was all this shit going on in the house and like mm-hmm. people were being thrown and all this stuff. And I thought, I was like, that's just impossible. Like I've just seen too many ghost shows. I've had too many. It just, I know that that just doesn't happen. And then they go and then just like crosses are flying. A knife appears out of nowhere. People are being burned. People are going to like shove. Like I'm like, oh, wow, this is possible. Insane. But it's so rare. But it. It's but so the weird thing is, it, is it's so consistent. Like it's the same mm-hmm. things being reported every time. And this reminds me a lot of the Bell Witch, which maybe I'll do an episode. Well, it's pretty unsubstantiated, but yeah, it is a fun time, and it, and it's a famous tale. So I guess I'll, I'll leave that for if I eventually do it, but. It's very similar, like a voice that can talk for like a while, like, Mm -hmm. like 
that can dictate things. And apparently the Bell Witch could like tell the future and predicted the world wars. <laughs> Holy shit. So, yeah, but I mean, at that time in the world, like the 18 something, like every fucking corner of the world was at war. Life was a war. So it's like, yeah, yeah I mean, it's fair to guess that there will be a war because there's always a war. Um. So yeah, that's fair. Uh <laughs> anyway, I just find it really interesting. I'm just really curious what went down. I'm going to go more into the theory on the next case that might kind of account for what happened with the Dag family, although the girl was kind of young. Mm-hmm. So we are at, we are in Acton Vale, which is still Quebec. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Or it's Canada. It's very French-Canadian. Mm-hmm. Everyone in this episode exclusively spoke French. Ah. Fascinating. French. Yeah. And what's the name it's of the place? Acton Vale. Acton Vale. You'd think they'd have a Frencher name than that. Right? One would think. Rough. 1969. Mmm. The Summer of Love. So, Not in Canada. Not for them. No. Not for the Saint Ange family. Mm, never is. Okay. And not for Father Claude Levet. Oh, never for Claude. Never for Claude. Never for Claude. Who they had in their interviews giving his first hand account of his experience. Cool. So, Father Claude visited the Saint Ange family. They rushed him to the second floor bedroom where the iron bed in the bedroom was shaking like crazy on the floor. Mm -hmm. Blankets were going crazy. They were going down, going up to the side, going insane. He got his holy water out and the man of the house asked, what should we do? And he said, I think we should pray a lot. (laughs) Setting the scene. (laughs) So... They <laughs> they interviewed two priests. Um, Berard is the other priest, and he's also giving his first-hand account. He was very young and very Stephen King-esque in the reenactment, and that's how I like to see him mm, in my heart. That's how so I like to remember him. That. <laughs> that's how I remember Except him. Except for French. A French Stephen King. I'm not sure that... It- yeah, he had very thick-rimmed glasses. Ah. Mm-hmm. Interessant. Continue. Very thin. Very lanky. So, the St. Ange family called the rectory three nights in a row Mm -hmm. because of the activity happening. And Berard was the first priest to get on the case. And this family was very well known in the community. Mr. He didn't give his name. Mr. St. Ange. Monsieur Santange. Santange. It is he me. He was Show me your ghost and we shall pray over it for a while. Oh God. Oh God, spirit. <laughs> With this cross. <laughs> so, Mr. Saint-Ange was choir master in the church. Him and his wife went all the time to church. They were very active in the community. Catholic? And oh, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're priests. Sorry. Yeah. And he ran the cemetery, is what they said, but then they said that he dug the graves. So he was a grave digger. 
Well, who runs the cemetery but the grave digger? Girls. (laughs) Who runs the cemetery? Girls. Who runs this motherfucking cemetery? Uh, Monsieur Santonche down the road. (laughs) Um, He digs their graves. He puts their bodies in the ground. (laughs) Your French accent is so good. Eh? Okay, There's going to be so. some French people that... No, no fucking French people listen to this goddamn podcast. <laughs> May no. May, May no. no. <laughs> so, it's 7 p.m. the first night. And activity starts happening right on the dot. Mm-hmm. Wardrobes start throwing clothes out of the wardrobe. Ooh. Dresser drawers open. It's like Beauty clothes and the Beast. Flying. It is. It's magical. And I'm their guest. <laughs> And the bedding comes off, the bed shakes, tables move. It was described as when the first priest Berard got to the house, he was in the room, he was in the bathroom, and they had a side table in the tub, and they watched the side table hop into the tub. Wow. The weirdest thing I... (laughs) Shit goes crazy. There is this framed picture of Mary... You know, Mother of Jesus. Right. And that all that one. jazz. That Mary. She's in the kitchen, and at 7 p.m., it starts to where the picture gets off of the wall and glides like it's being carried by a drone or like it's on a zipline. Oh, la, la, la. It just la, la, la. moves through the room, and it always goes out of the kitchen and into the living room, and it hangs on the doorknob. Uh. And the the wife of the family is tired of chasing the picture and putting it back. So she tried putting it behind a chair and, like, barricading it to the wall. And it was jumping and bouncing and trying to get out. This just seems so weirdly playful. It and is. And also nonchalant that she's, like, trying to wrangle this goddamn picture. Yeah. Yeah. I like that she's just, like... This is my life now. Wrangling this picture. And um, the priest described these brushes in the bathroom, like regular hair brushes, as standing up on like towel racks mm-hmm. by themselves. And he watched them. It happened really fast. And he was very certain it would take five, at least five minutes to get them sitting like that by themselves. <sighs> but things go crazy. <laughs> absolutely crazy what? this happens this happens for days tables move things shake the picture always goes to the other side it starts at 7 p.m it always ends at 10 p.m mm-hmm. and they start to kind of relate it oh, to those aren't bad hours doesn't seem like yeah, a, a manageable. bad job What's yeah that, like, seven to ten you know, like clock out 18 hours a, a week just 15 maybe just get out of there yeah. Not bad yeah. hours. Maybe a couple PTO days. You never know. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> so they start to kind of link this activity to this girl that's in the house, Julienne. Uh, Julienne. She is not their daughter. Uh. She is a girl. <laughs> She's like a seven or eight year old girl that does after school care with them pretty much. Mm-hmm. 
they're a well-respected family in the church. So the parents that have to work late leave their kid with her, with them. She does her catechism studying, and then she goes home whenever they're off of work. Uh-huh. And it seems like the activity picks up when she practices and studies uh-huh. her catechisms. Blame it on the help. Blame it on the girl. Yeah, it's always... Society always it's like, does. oh, my necklace is gone. Let me talk to Julianne about it. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure it was there when I left at 645 and I come back and it's gone. And it's on her neck. I'm sure we should talk to Julianne about it. It's like, come on. It's possible it's not that. Also, who the fuck trusts this eight-year-old child with anything? Right? I spend my days with a seven-year-old. I don't trust myself. And I'm 22. I can't trust her to close the goddamn door when she goes to the bathroom. I can't be trusted with that either. <laughs> <laughs> so, there is a ghost investigator that he he thinks he is a professional. Well, and what is it? 1969 in Canada? This guy must have been a social pariah. Oh, he's <laughs> a few years over our age currently. Oh, he's yeah. looking back on this current. He thinks he's knowing what's going on. He's saying that this case is what they call recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis, which is involved when young girls go through physical, emotional, mental changes. And then they have mental temper tantrums, is what he described it as. So he's saying this is all attributed to Julianne she's being too, of a certain she's age, too young. having a temper tantrum, and this is all her in her head doing all this no which i mean a lot of activity goes around young girls but i don't know if it's them having a mental temper tantrum i don't know how accurate that can be i think it's just it goes to them because they're the most naive and innocent maybe Mm. i don't know i was immediately offended by him and i didn't (laughs) i didn't even listen to what he said at first i was like how dare you um oh <laughs> steve smiley oh steve <laughs> yeah steve. I didn't trust him steve smiley no. no no i wouldn't i i would be well, immediately offended by a steve smiley as well yeah how dare you blame moods yeah the mental spontaneous psychokinesis kids what the hell just women, just young girls going through changes, not even boys. They're not boys even going, going through, through changes. changes. When they're like She's seven eight. or eight, they're like... The other girl was 11. I already it's made my theory, Christmas wish not. list and it's May. She's not like, They're not... What are you... What are they worried about? <laughs> like, they're still physically androgynous compared to men. Yeah. There was a kid yeah. at the girl I babysit school. I could not tell its gender for six months. Oh I swear to God, it's got super blonde hair that's shoulder length, okay. but mm. the kid wears pretty masculine clothing, but the clothing is always pink and purple. And I was like, I mm. can't fucking tell 
What is it like? You a, are. What kind of hairstyle? It's is just it? long and straight. It's it's like this kid almost mm. looks albino. Super super pale skin. <gasps> super super pale hair. Blonde. I like it. I like the. And then pink just pink. like light pink clothing, but it's like t-shirts and long shorts, and it's like ah, at this age, there's really nothing there's to no distinguish to them. They look Mm-mm. totally the same. Eventually, found out that it's a, uh, it's a boy. <laughs> <laughs> I had to ask it. We didn't want to know. I had to ask it very tactfully. I was like, so, you know that kid with the the, the really blonde hair? What's that kid's (laughs) deal? And she's like, oh, uh, I don't know his name, but, and I was like, it's a boy. It's all I needed to know. (laughs) I don't know why it obsessed me so much. but I wonder what his name is. It's 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 like Sagan or Pagan or some shit. I don't know these parents. Uh, uh-uh. No, uh-uh. I don't like it. Mm-mm. But also, you do you, pagan? No, <laughs> no, you will not be doing you. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna wrap up this poltergeist. Sorry. So, alleged mental temper tantrum? I don't think so. So, <laughs> three days of activity. They put her in the forefront. They have her do some prayers. They have her do the Jesus is my heart. I will not be scared. And when she says her prayer, it ends with I will not be scared. Activity brutally picks up. The rosary gets thrown from her hands. Mm. She's in a room with the adults of the house, three priests. And I think an onlooker or two that they brought in. The priests are not helpful. They've been there for three straight days. They haven't done anything. They've holy watered. They've prayed. They haven't done jack shit. They've had enough evidence for them all to believe. To this day, they believe there was activity that was unexplainable. Definitely poltergeist. They could have exercised the house. They chose not to. They just sat there and hung out. So, Maybe. Uh, Madame, you said that the, um, the picture uh, she moves uh, across the room. Have you tried putting it back? The tape? The tape? Would work? you tape it? <laughs> Does anyone have any tape? We don't have any tape. We the don't. She knows supply tape. Where we. I'll come back tomorrow. <laughs> we'll think about this and be back tomorrow because a staple? No. <laughs> we have to. This is the most profound quandary I have ever faced. <laughs> the greatest injustice ah, in Canada. Tiki Tak! Meno Berard! It has not been invented yet! Oh la la. Merde. We will think about it for another day. (laughs) We come back, eh? So, day three, seven to ten, activity as usual, everyone's there, same shit, Mm -hmm. picture frame moving, table shaking, moving, furniture going wacko. The whole house looks like a battlefield after 30 minutes after it starts. 10 p.m. rolls around, and it stops like usual, and then it never picks up again. It was only three days of activity, no actions were taken, and it stopped forever. But these priests to this day interview and say that they know what was there. It was the devil's work. 
They could not explain it. I guess you just bought Tiki Tac. It's fine. Canadian justice. Canadian justice. Swift and... Abrupt. Well, that's kind of a synonym, but... <laughs> and a little bit unsatisfying. Both stories, it just kind of stopped. <laughs> Which is why I was like, what? Okay. 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 Yeah. But still, <laughs> crazy shit. <laughs> anyway, the devil left. We survived our uh, spiritual <laughs> battle. They did it. Anyway. They fought the devil and won. Yeah. Well, they didn't fight. They just watched it. But I think that was enough. They picked up after the devil. Maybe it just wanted to feel heard. I get, you know, I get that. Maybe the devil just wants to be heard, okay? <laughs> we all just want to be heard. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a strange episode. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like its stories needed to be told. Because it's still spooky shit, but it's weird. I also agree. Those stories had to get favorite. out. Yeah. The Dag family could hide in obscurity no longer. Yeah. Percy Woodcock. The Canadians couldn't be the only ones who knew. America <laughs> needed to know. Those bastards. They think they can keep secrets from us. Well, if the devil comes to your doorstep, we'll know about it. Yeah, and we'll just wait for it to leave. And we'll talk about it. True Canadian fashion. And we will do nothing else. <laughs> Sit back. It's my motto. Yeah, I'm pretty no sure that was their No action is model. the best action. <laughs> well, that was really, really fun. I uh, appreciate that. I'm glad it was not that scary for me because yeah, yeah. Uh, I am in a uh, apartment and it's the nighttime. <laughs> yes. So that's pleasant. Um, <laughs> if you liked what you heard, please give us a like. Not possible. Give us a rating or a review or a subscription, ideally. The Holy Trinity, as we call it in mm-hmm. podcast lingo. You guys wouldn't know about it. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Scary Stories from Camp Roanoke. We have merch on redbubble.com. We're on Facebook as well. And uh, we love to hear from you if you have your own scary stories. I don't know if there's any way you could possibly compare to what we've done <laughs> to the today to the Dag family. But, <laughs> I mean, you could try. Uh, send them over to letters to camp at gmail.com. We are a weekly podcast and we will see you all next Saturday. Great. All right, y'all. Have a spooky night. Filled with restless dreams. Of haunted things. Au revoir. Au revoir. A bientôt.